Welcome to Drop Everything Podcast number 87. I'm your host, Dan Holzman. On this podcast, I'll be talking to the young and talented Zach McAllister. Before I talk to Zach, let's thank our sponsors. First, with the IJA, International Jugglers Association. To find out about this great group of jugglers, go to juggle.org. Also, let's give a shout out to Todd Smith and Todd Smith Products. Todd was a great friend who we recently lost. Rest in peace, Todd Smith. All right, now go out there, drop everything, get ready for Zach McAllister. Welcome to Drop Everything, my special guest for episode number 87, the very popular, the very young, Zach McAllister. Hi, Zach. Hey, what's up, Dan? Hey, now, I know you grew up in Temple, Texas, but where are you located now? Um, I'm currently in a small area outside of Philly. What city is that? Uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. It's still Philadelphia. It's just an outskirt okay. of Philadelphia. So you live in the outskirts of Philadelphia. Yeah. And now I know you went there to go to Circadium, the circus school. Have you decided to relocate there? I just was here and everything happened with the pandemic mm. and things got cut kind of short. I did graduate, but I feel like I'm more productive here than I am in Temple. So I just decided to stay. And what was it like growing up in Temple? What's that city like and what's your family like and what do your parents do? I grew up in Temple which is about an hour outside of Austin. And it was pretty generic. Um, it's not what you would expect from Texas. I don't know if you've been there before or not, but it's not like cowboys everywhere. People do wear cowboy hats sometimes. And like people do have some accents sometimes, but for the most part, it's just kind of a rundown, really tiny town. Now, have you ever personally worn a cowboy hat, Zach McAllister? I have, oh. but not by choice. <laughs> oh, how do you wear one yeah. not by choice? Someone makes you wear a cowboy hat? Yeah, like uh, there's some event happening or something, and my mom is like, yeah, you should wear this. And usually when my mom tells me to wear something, I don't say no. Right, right. Yeah, of course. Mom. I met your mom. I met your whole family in Austin. Yeah. At one of the, And you have a very nice family. Yeah, they're your typical just Texas family. <laughs> They're also very photogenic, if I may say that. Yeah. A very attractive family. Very, uh, very blonde. A lot of blonde. Yeah, very blonde. <laughs> very blonde. Okay, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back almost, what, uh, 12 years ago or something to when you started juggling? Sure. All the way back to those dark ages. How'd you learn to juggle? Who taught you? And what'd you think when you first saw juggling? The first time I ever saw juggling was from my dad. Because my dad knows how to juggle three balls. And one day in fifth grade in PE class, our teacher tried to teach us how to juggle two in one hand. And I was one of the only people in the class who couldn't get to, I think it was like eight catches, which was the goal by the end of the class. And uh, I was a little pissed off about hmm. that. It's a little angry at myself. And uh, at the time, my brother, Ty McAllister, he's a very successful everything he does. He's a musician. He did like golfing, played tennis and did all these things. And he also knew how to juggle. And I was just like so fed up at that point. I was like, I'm going to learn something so I can be better at my brother at something. Don't you hate that guy? Yeah. <laughs> did he show you correctly at least? Did he show you correctly or did he kind of go back towards his body or did he go the wrong direction? Was he at least showing you two with one hand correctly? He told us to do it towards the body. 
which oh. was not the best technique. It wasn't it wasn't like left to right or right to left. It was like a scoop from into back into your body, kind of like the wrong plane. So he was kind of a loser. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he he could do it. Right. It just wasn't like the sure the correct the best way to do it. It was probably not the easiest way to do it. Now your dad could juggle, but he wasn't in show business or anything like that. What does your dad do? My dad is an anesthesiologist. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah. Up until about the time I was born, he was like going through med school and all that goes into that. But I guess he just learned three balls. I actually don't know where he learned. And then he taught you. Yeah. And did you take to it right away when he showed you? And what did you think when you finally accomplished uh, the three ball juggling? I wouldn't say like I felt like I accomplished anything until I reached 10 catches. Once I hit 10 catches with three balls, I was like, okay, now I feel like I'm actually doing it. I just started watching TV and juggling, which is just a big theme in my life. I watch TV shows while I juggle. But most of the time when I would be like watching a TV show that I liked back in like fifth grade, I would just start juggling at the same time. And I learned with three tennis balls and I would just sit there and try and learn three balls and just get it as far as I could. And I did that for about a year before I was told anything else about juggling. About a year after I had been juggling, like I had like a solid three balls. I I could do it as long as I wanted to. And my dad was like, oh, hey, by the way, you can do tricks. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, so you can throw a ball over the top. So it's like reverse cascade throw. And it just like blew my mind. <laughs> A little bit. Sure. So then I hadn't really been on the internet up until this point. There was like some blocks on my computer to keep me from like looking at things on the computer. Sure. Naughty things. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't even know the naughty things were at that point. So <laughs> it, right. It felt like just, uh, oh man, my parents are being a bummer. Sure. But around that time I looked up juggling and I found just all of the juggling stuff. Not the community itself, but I found trailers of performers like charlie peachock i watched his videos hours and hours and hours just watching his trailers where he does the fake drop the club on his audience member when it they think it's like a knife or sure he's walking like, over and, them and they're they're lying yeah. on the floor and he, he pretends he switches for clubs yeah sure and a little bit yeah i watched a lot of stuff like that i was pretty content with that for a while and then maybe a year after that i went and saw anthony gatto perform in lanuba at the time, I hadn't really seen much juggling. This was the first real juggler I had seen. And when I saw it, I was like, man, if this is just your regular juggler, I can't wait to see what other jugglers are doing. <laughs> right, I can't wait to see a good one. Yeah, and whenever I, it took me a while to find his name because Cirque du Soleil really knows how to hide the name hmm. of their performers. They don't really help you in finding who the artists are. Oh, that's interesting. I never realized that. That's interesting. I'd go to like the website and wherever, and it was just like, oh, juggler, Cirque du Soleil Lanuba, juggler, but yeah. like it never said a name or anything. And I just kind of slowly realized, oh, this is the guy. This is the best guy. From that point forward, I was like, I want to be him. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. a good goal. Good goal. So for yeah. the first year, you were just doing the cascade. You were watching TV. Yeah. And just seeing how long you could you could juggle for. Yeah. Now, I think people underestimate the power of TV. I always call it harnessing the power of distraction. Sometimes you can practice with the TV going on in the background. Sure, yeah. And it makes it more fun sometimes. I do that. Yeah. It's a very underutilized technique. I don't know if Richard teaches that technique, Richard Kinnison, <laughs> but uh, I like that one. So. Yeah. I mean, D Delaney, she's grown up doing the exact same thing, just watching like old TV shows and stuff. 
that's not my story to tell. She's uh, sure. She does all that stuff. That's how she practices. Well, we'll get to your relationship with Delaney because that's coming up in your life story. Let's go sure. back. You see Anthony Gatto. You're already yeah. interested in juggling. You have a few tricks. Did that spark all of a sudden major practice? Or when did you actually start practicing like seriously with different props? There was a Christmas. I'm not sure which Christmas it was, but it might have been the Christmas after I saw Anthony Gatto. I got a lot of juggling stuff. Hmm, okay. Because I just discovered like actual juggling props. Sure. I had always thought like, why would I need to buy balls? Because I have tennis balls. What else could there possibly be? By the way, I used tennis balls to learn like up to seven before I ended up switching anything. These are hollow. They're just normal tennis balls. Yeah. yeah. Whenever this Christmas came around, I was like, don't get me any juggling balls. I don't need them. I have tennis balls. But I told them, I was like, get me these rings or these PX3s or whatever, WJF. And I was like, oh, this is what the cool people use. Whenever I got those props, I felt like I hit a point where I was like, okay, now I have the equipment. Now let's do this. And what was the first type of uh, juggling club you bought? Was it the PX3? The first club I bought was a spirit club. It was just called the Spirit Club by Higgins Brothers. It's Mm -hmm. a one-piece club. There's not really much special to say about it other than it's painful. (laughs) I I mean, that's pretty general with a lot of one-piece clubs. It was cold outside when I got them, and uh, I didn't use them too much. But whenever I got PX3s, I got maybe... I think they gave me six. Did you, when did you start using the Russian balls? I'm always confused about those. Okay. I grew up doing uh, first lacrosse balls and then silicon balls. And even moving to beanbags was weird for me. But when those when those came out, I'm like, I can't use these at all. <laughs> when, did you, when did you switch to those? Those are like the most polarizing of juggling balls by far. Yeah, I think so. I used tennis balls up until 2013. When I went to my first juggling festival in Austin, Texas, there was everybody there using like G-balls or there's a local company called Juggling Thingies, which ended up being the first beanbags I bought. And I was using them at the festival. I was using somebody's. They just like let me borrow them. And it was just so crazy to me that they didn't roll away or like I didn't have to chase anything. So that was a big game changer. And then... I ended up seeing stuff about Russian balls, and I was like, what's up with these? And I I liked the idea that they're just like these round balls. I thought they looked better than just like a beanbag, and so I was interested. And I saw these tutorials on how to make them. There's a specific tutorial I watched from Phil Thompson in which he says, buy some play pit balls, you do this kind of hole, and you can glue it shut after you like put some salt in it or whatever. Ever since then, I've just, all the tricks that I make are suited for specifically for that ball like uh beanbags i can't even use them anymore because they just feel so bouncy now one of your big tricks is that uh the blind behind the back sure uh, like what do they call that pinball technique where you're kind of bouncing it yeah. off your arms is that easier with the russian balls oh it's it's a hundred percent easier because i did learn that trick with beanbags but it they bounce all over the place The great thing about the plastic of the ball is that it just kind of sticks to your arm and then slowly slows down. Every time the ball impacts a part of your body, the salt just kind of makes it so much smoother. And are they half filled up? Is there a particular uh, percentage that you fill them? I haven't made juggling balls in a long time, but I think it was like about a third. I would fill it up to a third, and I didn't measure like specific 
weight or anything because I didn't have a scale. <laughs> so they're all off a little bit. They're not all probably. Exactly... Yeah. yeah, it wasn't that big a deal, but sure. I liked them. When I tried that trick, that behind the back uh, blind one, I couldn't learn it because it killed my shoulders. Like I had to, you have to kind of arch your yeah. your shoulders back. Did you experience any kind of uh, pain from practicing that trick, or is it just me? The only type of pain I've gotten from practicing that trick was whenever I tried to break a juggle wiki world record for it which was like 30 minutes oh my god yeah it's it was pretty rough i do start to feel that after like doing it for a minute but also i think the longer and more you do it the more natural it feels and the less you have to like tense up because it almost just feels like your hands are like behind your back not or like to your sides it's not like a motion you have to click into. It also could just be my flexibility. I could just have really stiff shoulders and maybe I, it's probably different for everybody. You have the record for both five ball and six ball blind behind the back. What, what yeah. are your records? I think the first time I set five balls was for Josh Horton and like a world record Wednesdays video or whatever it is that he calls those. Basically, the game with five ball blind behind the back is just how long you can take it. <laughs> before you just decide to stop sure so i wouldn't say it's a skill thing it's like a it's kind of like contact juggling it just kind of clicks and then you yeah. can do it you don't have to train it n incessantly it's not five club back crosses yeah it's probably like balancing a, a club on your on your head like for those yeah. balancing competitions for sure and at a certain point it's just can you tolerate the pain of it yeah it's like oh man your necks are gonna be awful but i hope <laughs> the metal is worth it i never do those because i always feel like i go a couple minutes not with the Usually with five ball endurance, I'm just like, this is tiring. <laughs> I just stop, you know. I know yeah. uh, you, you coach with uh, Richard Kinnison. Doesn't he have some kind of like minimum he wants you to be able to do five balls on, with before you move on? Like five minutes or something? Is it one of, his one of his techniques? Whenever I started working with Richard, I think past what that specific rule is. Mm. He has this five ball tennis rule where he says you should be able to do 20 throws back and forth of five ball tennis. And then you've become a master of five balls. I think that's what he says. I think I've done four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're pretty young at this point. What point do you start thinking about competing or taking it seriously and even becoming a professional? Is that sort of start pretty young or is it just something like a hobby for quite a long time? I think the first time I felt like I wanted to compete slash perform was whenever I saw WJF and I was like, I could do that. And, uh, you know, maybe I could have done that, but I don't think I have the work ethic like a lot of them do. Did you ever go to a WJF and, and try no, or no, I didn't. Unfortunately, I asked somebody online. I said I might go to WJF, but I'm not sure because I could also go to IJ and I can only go to one. And he told me to go to IJ instead. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I ended up going. And I never actually ended up going to a WJF to this day. And what was your first IJ festival? 2014 West Lafayette, Indiana. Oh, yeah. And when you walked in that gym and you saw all the jugglers. Oh, that was crazy. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what stood out? Who Did you see certain people or certain tricks that stood out? In your memory for your first festival, what were some of the high points? At my first festival or my at, first IJ? At the first IJ at this one in Lafayette. It was just the mass amount of faces that I could just say their names without even having seen them in person. Just being able to like look over and be like, that's Kellen Quinn. That's Nathan <laughs> Biggs Penton. That's Jack Denger. That's Jonah Botvin in Greenhouse. That's Noah Schmeisner. There's all these names and like the community is there, but it, it almost feels like fake online. It's almost non-existent. It's hard to actually understand it unless you're like, there in person. Like I'm like, wow, these people are all here for this. 
There was no that's Dan Holzman that never came up. Oh, there's Dan Holzman. I I don't know, man. I didn't even have that for Richard at that time. I don't even think I knew who Richard was uh, whenever I go into that festival. When you thought about juggling, what made you interested in getting coaching? Because very few jugglers go that route. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you get into coaching or having someone coach you? I did the welcome show in IJ 2016. I think you emceed it. Was that in Austin? No. Uh, was that in Austin? No, that was uh, uh, Kamikaze Fireflies. El Paso. Yeah. It was the welcome show. Yeah. Yeah. I did MC. Yeah. I did that act. And Richard came up to me after that and told me, I think you have a lot of potential and you should work with a coach. And he just kind of walked away. <laughs> and <laughs> right. then I'd been talking to my parents. It'd be really cool to go to circus school because I had like some friends who were going to go do that. And I was like, oh, circus. At the time, at least it wasn't as much about the experience I would get. It was more of I want to go to circus school. It seems like a really cool experience. But in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, there's stuff I could learn. But it's circus school. Hmm. What, what, uh, what circus school are you talking about? Was there a particular one? The one I'm talking about at this point, I wanted to go to ENC, which is a school in Montreal that works closely with Cirque du Soleil. I don't, know, I don't know that one. I know there was that one you know, that, that Jay Gilligan ran that a lot of the jugglers oh, went to in Sweden. Oh, Doc, yeah. Was that something that interested you? Do you were you aware of like that? That type of juggling, Jay Gilligan and the, the Wes Peters sure. and the Tony Pezzos. And... Yeah. I mean, at, my, at that time, Jay was at least in my top three, if not my favorite. So I, I was well aware that he was a coach or teaching at Doc at that time. But I knew for a fact that if I tried to bring that up to my mom, she would be like, you're moving to Sweden? <laughs> she wouldn't even let me attempt it. So right. I just didn't even bring it up. So what when was your first experience with coaching? Was uh that at the circus school you wanted to go to or somewhere different? It was in St. Louis. I actually, after Richard ended up talking to my dad and somehow convinced him that I could make money juggling. And then my dad was like, okay. And uh, was just, yeah, you can go to St. Louis and work with Richard for a little bit. And the plan was that I was going to work with Richard so I could audition for circus schools and get in. Right. I ended up going there in August of 2016 and stayed there for about six or five months and just worked with Richard. And that was the first experience I have with being coached and told what to do with juggling. And did you actually live in his house? What was your housing like that you, with them? I lived with a woman and her kid who sponsored the circus thing there. It's mm -hmm. um, There's the City Museum in St. Louis and then there's Circus Harmony, which is inside the City Museum. And I was working in there. It's like a circus space. Right. Is that the one that Greg Kennedy ran? Or is no, that something different? That's different. I, the, the one that Greg Kennedy ran is, uh, or is part of is Circadium. Oh, he is part of Circadium. Okay. Yeah. But this one is ran by Jessica Hentoff, which is Kellen uh, Quinn's mother. Oh, okay. I don't know him very well. I, I saw his one video. He, he's very eccentric, isn't he? Kellen Quinn. Kellen? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I've never gotten a good read on him. He seems nice, but like I can never understand what he's thinking. <laughs> well, that's that's good. With, that's good with an artist, right? It's, yeah. It's, uh, you want to be someone who thinks outside the box. Yeah. What was the kind of schedule like? So you, you start with Richard. How many hours a day did he suggest that you practice juggling? I don't think he ever gave me a number because he knew that I was going to just practice for like three or four hours anyway, every day. Now, do, you think, do you think there's kind of a, a point of diminishing returns that if you practice over a certain amount of time, 
you know, over, let's say over four hours a day or something that it's actually detrimental? Or do you think you can ever juggle too much? I think if I was Delaney, absolutely. If I was training seven clubs and actually working on technique, Mm-hmm. But I haven't tried to seriously work on a trick in years. I mainly, what I do is I just noodle around until I make stuff. I have like, the worst system possible. Well, which is more important to you, uh, creativity or technique? Or do you need technique in order to express your creativity? If you have bigger technique and like greater technique, then you have a bigger vocabulary to create. But technically, you could create with no technique. It's just might not be as interesting. I think you need both if you want to really impress an audience. But you can't just go out and do nine balls without some sort of twist of what it is that you're doing, either just the the way you're showing it off or displaying it or whatever. I think creativity and technique should really just go together. Well, probably the perfect example is Wes Peden. Yeah. Because he has both, right? He's an amazing juggler, just pure technique, but his mind, your mind as well. There's very few jugglers you look at and they just... They produce trick after trick after trick. What's your process for uh, coming up with tricks and uh, creating them? In a nutshell, in a nutshell. I know it's a lot. In a nutshell? Yeah. Yeah. I find music that I like. I have a group of bands or artists that I like. And whenever they come out with new music, I just listen to the album on loop while juggling. And I just kind of goof off and try a bunch of random stuff. I... Like I said, I have really no real system. I go in, and if I see something that I like, and I'm like, this is an interesting concept, I'll film it, and then I'll uh, look at it later and be like, where could I take this? Or like, how could it go somewhere else? And then I have a external hard drive just full of just the tree, like the trick branches mm-hmm. of where different tricks came from, and just kind of take it from there. So I do a lot of documentation. Well, you put out quite a few videos, too. And we'll get to those uh, where people can see you at the end. Yeah. I like that term noodling because yeah. I like to noodle as well. Just fool around and, oh, that was kind of cool. What if I did it this way? What if, yeah. what if I did it that way type of thing? Now, when you're putting together your acts, uh, do you think commercially as well? Do you think about where it will work? Or are you just purely caught up in the, in the sure, creative yeah. part of it? I find myself thinking about that more and more every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you want to make a living at it. You want to be a professional. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if, if I had a choice, I'd probably just make juggling to be like a juggle, big juggling nerd and just make tricks for fun. Also, now I'm starting to realize after three years of circus school, it is kind of interesting. How can you impress a golf company the most with juggling or whatever? If you picked a specific enough target and made mm-hmm. a show specifically tailored to them, how well could you do that? which I find very interesting. If somebody told you juggling cooking show, sure. how can you make the most unique juggling, insane cooking thing that would just make them say, wow, I can't believe I just saw that? Well, I've approached that my act, uh, my career sometimes the same. I've certainly done a golf act. I was yeah. Danny Mulligan and I, we, me and Barry <laughs> have done uh, cooking uh, segments on TV shows where we went in and juggled while we cook because juggling by itself like you say it's people aren't really looking for jugglers yeah our job to think well how can we make the juggling a valid entertainment option and how can we tie it into things yeah to non-jugglers juggling is kind of boring almost it's like unless you tell them that it's exciting then they won't think it's exciting unless there's some added element it's like Mm -hmm. they know it's juggling it's juggling cool (laughs) but they're just like okay what am i supposed to do 
I don't know. Have you ever had the experience where juggling makes you invisible? Like you're juggling in a park or something? Yeah. And you, and you see people walk up and they just walk right past you. That's insane to me. No curiosity. No yeah. no awareness that you're... And you're a great juggler. It's like if, you know, if Anthony Gatto was standing there holding nine balls, a lot of people just would just walk on by. People don't always appreciate magic in the world. And jugglers are magic. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, competing. What was the first year you competed at the IJA? Oh, that was 2017. And... There's a fun story about that act, mm-hmm. which is that I made it all when I was in St. Louis, like I said, working with Richard. And I had this long debate with Richard where I was saying that I wanted to do a bunch of really hard tricks and just really big, giant performance. What kind of tricks? Like seven ring stuff and like big? Um, Just like juggling. I'll right. say Hardcore that. Juggling. If you go back and watch twenty that my 2017 act, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a lack of juggling which is kind of tailored to this fact that uh, I had a lot of ideas that I shared with Richard, and he really liked all of them. And he wanted me to go out and show a very conceptual act in competition. And he was like, you will beat people with this. And I was like, you know what, let's do it. Looking back in retrospect, I if it was like my personal decision, I probably, my my second time around, I was just like, I'm going to put in a bunch of tricks that are really crazy. I'm just going to fill the whole thing. I had a whole minute where I was just sitting there with one ball, just tossing it up and down and slapping my hands together. For myself, I was like, yeah, this is fun. But as a competition, eh, I don't know about this. Well, it seems to me that Richard likes to tell a story Yeah. with the routines. He has a particular style and it's done quite well. Obviously, he's had quite a few winners. Mm-hmm. But when you see a Richard Kinnison coached act, there's usually a theme and uh, there's acting and there's sort of a, especially this routine where you, uh, this last year were in 2019, where you had even uh, titles for your uh, competition acts. Yeah. I think sometimes it's tough because commercially, I think those type of acts aren't maybe as sellable as just pure, straightforward razzle dazzle. But I think for what he does and for the competitions, I think it's good. I think he's a genius. I think so too. Yeah. Because it's good to have a base of the idea that, you're telling something through the juggling. Because like you yeah. say, juggling just by itself, just watch me juggle, it lacks heart, it lacks artistry. So to have a theme or a story, it's hard to pull off, but I think it's a good thing to add. I think when you're working with him and he's really into it, then he's the best at what he does. His ideas are really great and the things he points out are really thought-provoking, like, oh, maybe I should do that. I feel like I wouldn't be the same juggler at all if I didn't work with him. Well, great. I mean, he's, he's a great friend of mine, and I have only good yeah. things to say about him. So that's nice to hear. And I encourage people uh, to take coaching yeah. from Richard, from whoever, even if it's just a friend who you can look up to and get some advice. Because that's one thing the juggling community is sort of lacking is sort of um, teachers and mentors. So uh, hats off to Richard Kennison. My teacher growing up was just a mirror. Mm-hmm. And video uh, camera, I bet. And, yeah. I didn't really say this about the trick creation process, but one big thing to me is I need to have a mirror so I can look at what I'm doing. Because I feel like a lot of people have tricks that they're like, oh, this feels good, but it actually looks awful. Well, how important is the full body to you? Do you think about your facial expressions? Do you think about your posture? Are you sort of a, a full body type of juggler? I am trying to work my way towards that. I need to work on my face. <laughs> Mm-hmm. My face could use some work because I either have juggle face or I have emotionless face. But in terms of body, 
I try and like if I have a specific trick, it'd be cool if this one foot does this thing at the same time, even though it's not part of the trick. It would add to the image, Mm -hmm. the overall image, then I'll do it. And in your circus classes, did you have dance training? Yeah. We had ballet, contemporary, hip hop, uh, you name it. And when you talk about juggling face, you're sort of talking about the I'm catching flies face, the kind of open mouth, uh, gaping. Yeah, a lot of people, their, their faces are pretty... It's usually like I'm concentrating is sort mm-hmm. of the, the one emotion that comes across. Yeah. It's like watching a juggling act of a juggler who looks like they can't even focus on the performative aspect is kind of rough to watch for me. Well, all they're thinking is, please don't drop. Please don't drop. I hope I don't drop. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's not great. Like, I almost feel like worried because they look worried. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point. I mean, the idea is you have to show super confidence. Uh, Paul Ponce comes to mind. When he juggles, you don't think he's going to drop. All you think mm-hmm. is this guy's having fun. And uh, yeah. you need to have that kind of security, I think, to really sell juggling. Yeah. I've always done that just by making my tricks super easy. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> focusing more on the comedy and stuff. <laughs> okay, so you had 2017. What, did you place? Were you at one of the top three? I, I forget. I believe I got fourth. So okay. I was the first to lose. Yeah, we were the first loser. The yeah. first runner up. But you know what? I got something I couldn't have trained for, so I was happy with that. I got the People's Choice. Oh, okay. Yeah. What what festival was that? Was that the one I put on in... Uh... Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids. Yeah. That was great. So that, you've won that again because uh, in 2000... Did you compete in 2018? I forget. Uh, 2019. I wasn't there for 2018. So you came back in 2019 and that was um, I- Iowa? No, that was... Uh... It was back in Indiana. Indiana. And is that where you competed and... Uh... Took all three top prizes? Yeah. Okay, so tell, tell me about that. So you're working with the circus school, working yeah. with Richard, and then Delaney Bayless, correct? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Good. Now, you start working with her on a team act as well. What intrigued you about working with a team? Did you think you would have been better off just focusing all your energy on the solo? Or what, what about working with a team is exciting to you? The thing that was exciting to me was that Delaney has told me about this dream that she has where she wants to be the first person to win individuals, teams, and juniors. And I was just like, well, that's cool. And for that reason specifically, I started working on passing tricks with her. Mm-hmm. And we took specific classes like where Greg was helping us, Greg Kennedy. Right. We were just, okay, maybe we could do a passing act. But the problem is we both really don't pass. So it was kind of a bit a big obstacle. Yeah, for a team act. A lot of times people do a side-by-side or they kind of switch off tricks. Yeah. But to me, team juggling is, is team juggling. You have, to, yeah. you have to be passing and stuff, yeah. In practice, what's different between you and Delaney? Is she like, uh, just practices all day long? And if you had an endurance contest with five clubs, who would win between you and her? Oh, man. Not, that, not even close? It, I mean, five, <laughs> it's not even close, but also I could definitely say something to get in her head beforehand, and I could probably pull out a win but i see if it was a fair fight then no i couldn't what kind of psychological games could you play uh, that would you put in your head (laughs) i don't know just knowing her for five years i could probably find something to say that would sure yeah and i don't mean to get too personal but it's on your website i mean it's on your facebook page now you're you're now in a relationship with delaney yeah that uh did it sort of progress over knowing her and i mean i don't want to get too personal but tell me a little story about how you guys got together yeah, I, I hope she doesn't like hate me for talking about this too much. First time I met her was in my first IJ in Indiana right. mm-hmm. in 2014, where she, I believe, took bronze. 
and she did her flower wallflower act in juniors i i remember her as a great child i don't remember that act particularly yeah. i just remember seeing her in the gym and she was working on stuff and i really didn't talk to her that much but i just remember it was like some sort of weird situation i was at the ij there really isn't that many females in this space. It feels like just a bunch of either older guys or just kids. And I guess for that reason alone, I was like, wow, a person who juggles. That's kind of cool. So I was already kind of interested. Sure. Yeah. And then we hung out at Austin Juggle Fest 2015 because she was flown out for that specifically to do the same act. And then I didn't see her again for maybe a year and a half. And then I ended up seeing her in 2016 at the St. Louis Juggling Festival while I was in St. Louis. And I don't know, we just started hanging out more and more. And then we ended up going to school together. And then it just kind of happened. Well, it's nice. I mean, yeah. I'm seeing it all from the outside, but you both strike me as a bit shy. You know, you're both kind of quiet. And yeah. uh, I'm glad you found each other. And, you know, I've been married 24 years. My wife doesn't juggle at all. Yeah. But... <laughs> you know, uh, having someone who could juggle as good as her, uh, and uh, she seems like a very sweet person, so I hope yeah. it all works out great for you, and, and congratulations. So that's a nice yeah. thing. In the future, do you think pursuing an act together is what you're looking at, or do you think you know each, each pursuing your own? Because I know she wants to be a professional as well. Yeah. Are you thinking about pursuing individual careers or kind of something together? I think we've kind of come to an agreement that the only reason we're going to pass is for conventions. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like an unnecessary stress working with a significant other that sure. is just you don't want to I, I don't even want to touch that because it this is way unnecessary it wouldn't be this bad if it, if we weren't already really close friends it's like hard to be roommates with your best friend or whatever sure. or whatever that analogy is well it's hard to, hard to be with someone all the time like you, yeah. you work with somebody and you live with them you don't have that separation. And sometimes yeah. arguments about the show blend over into arguments in your personal life. Yeah. I've seen it work both ways with the couples. I think the hardest thing about it was our differences in training is that I was just like, oh, let's just do whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> when she trains, she was training at my house this summer. She just went back to Salt Lake City. Yeah. She trains to the T, like knows exactly what she's doing every second. And is super determined, looks very serious. She has her earbuds in and you do not bother her. <laughs> uh, well, you can, but sure. <laughs> yeah, she's very particular about how she trains. And when I'm the exact opposite and we have to work together, that really didn't work very well. Well, let's talk about the acts you performed uh, where you won all three awards. Yeah. Your act was called, so your acts, like I said, had names. And the, the first act was called Love Like You. Yeah. Can you tell us kind of the story behind that act? Yeah. As it is with most of my acts, I have the story and it's about the song usually. Usually I find a song I like. I'm going to make an act to this. And the song itself is called Love Like You. It's basically a credit end credits for a cartoon series called Steven Universe, uh, which I am was a big fan of at the time. The whole idea was I was just like, I love the piano and I love the the vocals of it. I want to make a beautiful feeling juggling act that feels just kind of chill or peaceful. Even though it was a competition, there was a point where I was going to use like a really upbeat song and then I switched to that track and it was like a big shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in general, I just heard the song and I was like, I got to make a routine to this. 
And it was around the time I was trying to make a routine for IJ. Yeah, so you're also, your, your act with the Delaney was called Movie. And why yeah. was it called Movie? That one is just on my website as Movie. We didn't really actually come up with a name. That's just the name of the <laughs> song. Okay. But there's a story. There's a story of you two meeting yeah. and you're parting or something. And yeah. it's, uh, and in that one, there is quite a bit of walking around. Like there's, it's not all juggling time. Yeah, there is some story to that. I'm trying to think what I can say. I originally, the second half of the act is the very first one that part that was made. And it was a solo that I made in circus school. And it was just me standing there doing like three clubs and it had the vocals looked like the woman talking or whatever. Mm -hmm. That was a thing and people really liked that. And then we ended up having an end of year show and I wanted Delaney to do a passing act with me. But in order to do that, they said I had to adapt that specific act. Who said that to? Um, one of the coaches. They're like oh. the, the whole board. Like they're, It's circus school. They're very particular about everything. <laughs> Okay, I never, I never been to circus school. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, so it just it started off as a solo, and then we made that into a duo, which ended up being the second half of our act, the club act, where she goes on a train and leaves, and then I'm just haha, I act sad. That's the whole thing, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. It's like, uh, and then it ends with we get back together or something, and it. It's just like basically following the story of what happens in the song. It was pretty like surface level. And we figured that would be nice to have people be able to take their own interpretations of what they want or be able to read into it if they wanted to. But we weren't trying to be some sort of Mozart. We were just telling a sad story. Yeah, I mean, it came across. Yeah, it was nice. The whole point of the first half of the act was because we knew we were competing and we needed to have a longer routine. We were just like, okay, we can make the sequel, the end, the part after the clubs, or we can make a prequel that happens before the clubs. Because we knew we wanted to have rings involved. There's a whole thing with me holding up rings as like it's a newspaper. Yeah, and you're, like, you're sort of turning them and reading the pages. Yeah, the time that came across was I was sitting next to Richard, and Richard was sitting there with a notebook, and Delaney was watching both of us, and I just had rings in my hand, and I just kind of opened them as if it's a notebook. I was just mimicking what he was doing, like as a joke for Delaney. And then we were just kind of like, oh, I like that. So yeah, like, yeah. It, it was a joke, and then it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's kind of a cool idea. It was cool, because you're using the rings as a prop, and yeah. it reads as a paper or a magazine. I recently watched both your routines, because my mother was over. I said I was interviewing you, and she wanted to see who you were and sure. uh she loved it i mean uh it definitely has a, an appeal to people who aren't just interested in juggling there's a certain appeal both of you have on stage that's yeah. uh well, hopefully will serve you very well in your career and speaking of careers let's talk a little bit about your professional life now yeah you have other videos available so i really recommend people go back and watch your two competitive routines yours and yours with delaney because they're both available on youtube sure but also you have some long videos. Now, are these videos for sale or are these videos people can see? I'm talking about Mr. Disco, okay. Diamonds, and Slippers. Yeah, those are the ones that I've listed on my website. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any videos that are for sale just because I don't really see the point. Like, I'd rather more people see them than try and put a price barrier on it because it's just juggling or whatever. They're just like projects to me. I have always been like obsessed with juggling as a... Uh, how far can you take it 
kind of idea. I'd always made like smaller videos. Like uh, there's a lot of videos on YouTube that are just conceptual, that it goes with one idea and goes all the way through. This past year, I finally did something I've been wanting to do, which is make a basically West Peden style video that is longer. It's like just a whole buffet of juggling kind of thing. And where, where, where can we see that one? And what's that called? There's a trailer on YouTube and then uh, the vid- full video is on Vimeo. I mean, it's called Mr. Disco. Okay. Why, why Mr. Disco? Is the music oh. disco or is that you? Are you Mr. Disco? So if you watch the video, there's this thing in the beginning where Stephen Doubt, one of my roommates, he pops out of a window and says, hi, I'm Mr. Disco. <laughs> and it was unscripted. But I was like, I really like that name. So let's just use that name. The whole name was just on the fly. I was like, oh, that's funny. I'll just call it that. And what are show bites? Bites is spelled B Y T E S. Yeah. That's another thing I saw on your. Uh, do you make custom videos for people? Well, what are show bites? Sure. I probably made like 13 or tw- maybe it was 12 of just these videos or FaceTimes. Like I've FaceTimed in with people and just uh, they told me, oh, it's somebody's birthday. Mm. Um, and I'm like, okay, do, you, do they have like a favorite song or something? They're like, oh, just be funny. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So I just find ways to be as ridiculous as possible and do like crazy juggling. One person was just like, it's a four-year-old, just be funny in some way. And so like I just had raw eggs and I just smashed them into my head multiple times and juggled the shells. And it's basically just a total free-for-all service. People pay me a minimum $40. The more you pay, the more effort and time I put into it. If you want a wacky video, it could be a video, it could be a FaceTime, then I'll do it. Is that, is that your, off your website? What's your website address? How would people find out about that? Um, ZachMcAllister.com. All of the stuff we've talked about so far should be able to be found there. And also you provide a service as a trick consultant. Yes. What, what, is that, what does that entail? Okay. I had this idea where I wanted to, I was like the ultimate job for me, it would be helping people create tricks because I like creating tricks. So I'd like to see what other people are working on. Mm-hmm. And that's like the base idea there is that I would more or less be coaching people on their tricks. But I've had people email me where they specifically ask for that. But I've had also people asking me for like help with an act. It's very broad. I call it a trick consultant because I feel like it stands out more so than just saying I'm teaching juggling. Because ever since the quarantine happened, it seems like everyone's a coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's got a Zoom show now too. A Zoom show and a coach. Yeah, everyone's got a Zoom show. There's everyone's a coach. <laughs> all all the coaches are out of a job because now there's like hundreds of more coaches. And <laughs> I'm sure you're good at it because people there are idea people and people who aren't idea people. So if someone has yeah. an idea for a trick and they want someone who can contribute, oh, yeah. what about this? What about that? Or like you say, or an act, or even a bigger project. Sure, your services are available, and I could think of very few people who are more creative who would be more interesting to work with than Zach McAllister. Yeah. So uh, I encourage people well, to take you up on that. <laughs> sure. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fun experience. I've seen that a lot of people have really good ideas. It's making me think there's a lot of cool juggling out there. I'll never get to see, but these people are letting me into their world of juggling and letting me see like what they're creating. I've had uh, people I've been working with weekly and I've had people who I will do a one-off coaching consultation session. And it just kind of depends. Usually we just kind of discuss all that later. Well, when you want to start doing franchises, let me know. Because that sounds like a, a dream job. 
Well, I'm saying if you if people come, you, you're too busy. You need other people to help with trick consulting. Uh, I would oh. like to do that too. So yes, <laughs> let me know. Okay, let's talk about some of the experiences that juggling has brought you so far. You're very young in your career, but sure. uh, you have a whole career ahead of you. But have any festivals flown you out to be a special guest? I think the first festival that told me that I was a headliner was Cleveland Juggling Festival in 2018. And they flew me out and it was just really crazy to me that they were like going to fly me out. I think I was the second half of the show. They had me do 20 minutes or something. Right. At that point, I had not done that before. So that was pretty crazy to me also. I basically got everything out of my head. I've got to make a club act. I'm going to make a ball act. going to make a ring act. going to make a wacky thing somewhere in there. Just like anything that will please the jugglers. So if people want to bring you out to a festival, they can expect Zach McAllister to bring it all. Like if they, you're going to take it seriously. You're going to do a lot of acts. Yeah. And you're, you're a good special guest to invite uh, to festivals around the world, right? I mean, I would invite myself. <laughs> I'm typically flexible. Like I ask people what kind of prop they want me to do or whatever. Because usually mm-hmm. whenever you're organizing a show, it's like, oh, I already have a ball person. That's sure. why it's nice that I do like rings, balls, and clubs is that I can fit into one, any of those, I think, depending on what you want. And if you had your uh, your druthers, which is a term I, I only learned a couple of years ago, if you had your choice, which of the acts would you do? What's, what's your first choice if they give you your, your choice of a show, balls, rings, or clubs? Right now, probably um, rings. I think it changes. And what about this trick where you put the ring on your ear? And you flip it across your face. Is that a Zach McAllister? Because that seems like one of those tricks that really took off. How'd that come about? The whole ear juggling. That is a Luke Wilson trick. Mm, The great Luke Wilson. As I was told, I've never seen video of him doing it. But everyone has told me that's originated and was developed by like Luke Wilson. He was the first person to do the ear to ear roll. But first person I saw who was doing it and making it like really popular was a Japanese juggler, Kome Aoki. Yeah, I've heard it called the ear hang. Is that, is yeah. that right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a very funny, it's a very interesting and funny trick. In general, like in terms of non-juggling audiences, it's the thing that I get the biggest reaction for every time I perform. When I just stand there and I put a ring on my ear and then I flip it to the other ear, people just go nuts for that. Now, you've flown out for other gigs before because one of the first gigs you flew out for you're a Zingdama demonstrator. Oh, yeah. So, and of course, I'm the inventor of the Zingdama, and Zing Toys was looking, we're looking for demonstrators. I'm looking at a Zingdama right now. And I encourage them to hire you. So, how was that experience for you? And what they have you do as a toy, a toy demonstrator? Oh, it was um, very interesting. I'd never flown before by myself. I went out. Yeah, I had to talk to your mom. I had to convince yeah. her that, <laughs> uh, that, that I was a normal person, that. Zing, Zing Toys was a big company. And... I think I'm just now getting to the point where I don't feel like I have to ask her before I make business decisions. So that's cool. <laughs> Maybe like once I turn 23, I won't have to ask anymore at all. She'll always be your mom. Yeah. And also she usually has good advice, but she's also very protective. Well, that's good. I mean, it's, she, that's what you want your mom. You don't want her. You want regular her to mom concerned. stuff. Regular mom stuff. Exactly. Moving forward, once this pe- pandemic is over, what would be your dream gig? What what would be the, the goal or the ultimate job you could get as a juggler? Ultimate job as a juggler. As a performer, as a, as in a, in a place to work. Sure. Honestly, mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by cruise ship juggling. I'm sure people who have done it are like, don't do it. Why? No, no, I wouldn't say that. I've done a bunch of cruises. Yeah. 
it seems like people I talk to, they tell me about it and like what they do. And they're just, oh, it's the worst. I hate it. <laughs> or whatever. They're, it's so boring. The way you're describing it, it sounds to me like I have free time to just create and create and create all by myself in some random hotel room or whatever. Well, the problem on the ships are it's hard to find good practice space. That's what's great about not being Delaney. Like, I right. feel like most things I could just do sitting on my bed. Now, what about these tricks with the oven mitts? You like weird stuff. I mean, what's uh, oven mitts, toasters? Yeah. What's, what's, what's that all about? I just have recently been fascinated by tricks with modern day objects or just like normal objects because I think it just speaks better to like a normal audience. And I've just been kind of messing around with anything I can get my hands on. I have like these electric whisks that will suck the oven mitt up and mm -hmm. push it through. All these things that are seen by everybody and they're like, oh yeah, that's what that does. But then you flip it around and do something crazy with it. I just think that's super interesting right now. Yeah, I have a dream trick uh, for toasters. I always want to get a bunch of them lined up. Oh, boy. And, and then <laughs> they would spring. I know this is pretty logistically hard. But then they would spring up like one after another. And you could like run down with like a plate and just grab the pieces of toast as they popped up and end up like with this stack of toast on a plate. Yeah. You know, they're popping up one after another and you're just running down the, the line of like 12 or 15 uh, toasters. Maybe you get some grant from France or something, and then like you can make fake toasters that spring up perfect. Mm -hmm. I'll give you that idea. How about yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also you're offering something else I saw on the video, on the internet. What are these quarantine uh, show videos? So you're doing videos okay. now uh, during the quarantine time. Is that with Steven or with someone else? That is with Steven, uh, Steven mm -hmm. Doubt. But currently we have not done one in a long time, and we're not sure when it's going to start back up because he recently got a job or like uh so i'm still mostly staying at home and just kind of working on stuff he's currently trying to make some money while he can and for that reason it's been on hold but the whole point of them was just kind of like it felt very empty not being able to like go to any shows or anything mm -hmm. and so we were trying to make a fun little stupid thing that we could live stream every week and just show like a little bit of fun and keep our brains insane a little bit that's a good goal now, to just yeah. to keep your brain sane, to keep putting out creative stuff and, and keep practicing, right? Because this will, this will end and shows Eventually. will start again. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you're so early in your career, you got a long way to go. you got a lot of, uh, lot of shows ahead of you. Now, you're one of the top 40 jugglers. In fact, you were second to that uh, pesky yeah. Wes Peden in 2019. It's his chart. It's, yes, it's his time to shine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, I think he's great. He's the best. He, he, yeah. he, has, he has turned down an opportunity to be on Drop Everything. Uh, he's uh, a humble guy. Doesn't want to talk about himself, but uh, maybe I'll keep trying. Because I think he's great. I think he's a genius. Okay, so now there's, you have a lot of fans. What are some of your tips? We're getting towards the end of our time together. So what are some of your tips for beginners, who people who see you, they're inspired by you? Uh, how would you tell them to go about their juggling? What could you tell them? To help make their juggling better everyone's juggling journey is a little different i don't think uh, you can learn how to juggle incorrectly the angle that you go into juggling really shapes who you are as a juggler and what you actually gain interest in if somebody's enjoying themselves and they're doing kind of a weird technique with three balls or they just learn three balls and i don't think there's any problem with that it's, you just keep doing what you're doing it's not a problem until like you need to perform or you're working on your technique and then you should probably try and fix that. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. If you're juggling for fun, if it's a hobby, 
then there's really nothing you can do wrong. It's like if you want to focus on just three balls, if you want to focus on whatever it is, yeah. if it brings you enjoyment, there, there's nothing you can do wrong in juggling. But once you start putting it on stage, once you start promoting yourself as a professional juggler, trying to get work. Yeah. Well, then there's some limitations and things you have to kind of do. At least think about it, like what you're doing more. Yeah. Like who would you say you're not just creatively, but as far as a career professional juggler? Uh, probably Greg Kennedy. Mm, Greg Kennedy. I haven't yeah. had him on the, on the program yet. He's very interesting. He's a very yeah. creative, uh, the inventor of the cone. Yeah. Which is a pretty big accomplishment because he was able to sell it, which I think is uh, amazing to create something and then sell it to Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. And get a, you know, a percentage moving forwards. That's a good creation. That's a sure. good creation. I feel like his uh, apparatus is known so well and he markets himself so well. And he's just known as this guy who's an innovator and a creator. And whenever he performs, he gets to perform and like tell it from like a science background because he does like a lot of colleges and he really gets a lot of free reign about what he does in a way which a lot of jugglers, it's like, you don't have geometric shapes, and so you're not really going to talk about science. Um, a lot of jugglers are either doing comedy yeah. or like a seven-minute act. What he has is like a really nice niche, and that seems like very exciting to me. Yeah, he's also an educator, so he's brought yeah. an educational aspect. A lot of people do science shows with the same thing. I know Reese Thomas and others have, very, have been able to use juggling uh, very uh, successfully in science presentations. Yeah. Now, you've also got some promotion. Let's talk about a couple more things. Uh, you were in Wired Magazine. Okay. And you did a show on ESPN, uh, Sports Science. What did you do on uh, the show Sports Science? So it's like the ESPN thing, it's like it just hasn't aired yet. Okay. And I don't have much to say that wouldn't go against some sort of agreement. Well, that's I fine. Guess. That's fine. We'll just keep our eyes open for it. Any idea yeah. when it'll be out? No idea. Because it was supposed to be out like a year ago. Oh. And what, so what about this Wired Magazine? That's something people could purchase and... Is it an article about you or just about juggling in general? It's about Alex Barron, and I'm mentioned in it. And it is also a video that you can find on YouTube with maybe like 4 million views. It's oh. just on Wired's YouTube account, and it's called Why It's Almost Impossible to Juggle 14 Balls. It almost felt like kind of comical to me. It was like they had Alex Barron doing like this crazy stuff, and then they were like, that's not the only way you can juggle a lot of balls. <laughs> And then they just had me doing it behind my back. And dude, this, like, I'm not going to complain about getting this, but you know, like, you do realize these are like two very different skills. Yeah. And like, people in the comments were just, he's just rolling them on his back. And I'm like, yeah. It reminds me of this show years ago. There was a, a Guinness show, and it was the juggler Joey Jordan. Oh, and, yeah. And he was going to try to set a new record, I think, of juggling 11 balls for something like that. And he's juggling, he's doing three balls, like, under the yeah. chin and off the head. And the, 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 the panel had to vote to see if they think he could do it. And one woman said, I think he can do it because I like his chin action. And so that from taking from doing a fast three ball, she figured he could do 11. Yeah. So people's uh, people's understanding of juggling is not always the greatest. Yeah. All right. A couple last questions. Okay. So best gig so far and worst gig so far. Well, tell us the bad gig story. Let's hear okay. that one. So um, I worked with Chauncey Croner when I was in St. Louis and he is a just acrobat juggler like all around powerhouse of circus tumbling juggling skills he can do a one arm and he does like chair stacking where he does a one arm on top of like a giant stack of chairs he just does all these crazy stuff 
And we show up to this, I think it's a cancer treatment center for children. Okay. He's bringing in all the chairs. And I'm doing a ball act or something. And so we get to the room. And I'm the assistant for carrying, like, the chairs, like, and handing them to him so he can do his act. Sure, stack them up, yeah. Yeah. And uh, when we get to the room, we notice the ceiling's entirely too low. We're just like, this is not going to work. So we, like, tried talking to people, and they were like, sorry, like, we don't know what to do. But really, his act was so set, it was hard to, like, change anything. So he was like, I'm just going to stop the act early. And I was like, okay. So I'm just sitting there as, like, the assistant, like, kneeling with, like, a couple chairs and he gets up to the top and he's like, hand me the other chairs. And I'm just like, uh, okay. And he said he wasn't going to do anything, but he starts lifting the ceiling panels off oh. <laughs> of the ceiling. Right. Because it's like a school ceiling. Sure, like those panels, yeah. Yeah, and he starts lifting those up and starts building the chair stack up into the <laughs> ceiling. And I'm like, this is the worst idea I've ever seen. <laughs> and I just remember thinking there's like all these kids and their lives are probably turned upside down right now because they're in for like cancer treatment. There's maybe like 20 of them, right? right? He tries to go up into the thing and the whole thing just like tumbles down and just goes everywhere. And the whole vibe of the entire event just felt really dull for me for that reason specifically. Sure. Also that and it was just a weird event. In your career, you're going to have a lot of times where they put you in a room. You're like, you know, I'm a juggler, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, you know, eight foot ceiling. Okay, here's your room. Uh, you know, you hired a juggler. So, yeah. Well, we'll keep those, keep the best gig uh, story for the future. Okay. So I'm sure cool. with your talent yeah. and your creativity, you're going to have a lot of big gigs. You're going to have a lot of big things in the future once this uh, current craziness dies down. And I want to thank you very much, Zach, for, for being a guest on Drop yeah. Everything. No, I've I've always wanted to be on this. Oh, well, yeah. I'm, glad you, I'm glad you had your chance. You've cool. always been one of my favorite jugglers. You're a nice guy, too. We've uh, been able to spend some time together. And uh, sure. I wish you the best in your career. And thanks again for being on Drop Everything. Thank you very much, Zach McAllister. I hope you enjoyed Drop Everything podcast number 87, my conversation with Zach McAllister. Thanks, Zach, and good luck in your future juggling career. All right, everybody, let's thank our sponsor one more time. The IJA, International Jugglers Association. Go to juggle.org to find out about this great group of jugglers. All right, go out there, drop everything, except when you're juggling.